More than half of faculty and residents in the United States are suffering from burnout. The national organization that accredits residency and fellowship programs and institutions is trying to change that. It's Tuesday, September 25th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. First of all, uh, why don't you tell me about your current role? Yeah, so I am uh, in a new position, uh, and the title is Senior Scholar for Well-Being at the ACGME, which is the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, which is the body that oversees and regulates uh, residency programs in the U.S. Great. So um, what does that role entail? Yeah, that's a great question. Senior Scholar for Well-Being, it's it's actually a new position, um, and I think it's one that's evolving, but I think... Kind of broadly speaking, I, I guess I, I would say that um, I'm going to be taking a kind of a lead position in uh, trying to promote and encourage residency programs and institutions, hospitals to uh, take uh, significant action related to this problem of resident and, and frankly, not just resident, but uh, faculty well-being as well. How did you end up being interested in wellness? How did you end up specializing in this? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because it is one that is completely unanticipated in my career. So uh, my life has been largely in the curriculum development kind of sphere. I'm a physician, a pediatrician by training. Uh, but uh, at about, well, when was it? 2014. In 2004, I became associate dean for curriculum at St. Louis University School of Medicine, and through a number of different ways, found uh, learned more about this problem of, of medical student uh, distress. And uh, through survey instruments that we uh, administered at St. Louis U, I um, realized that we had a significant problem, like like existed at, 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 at other medical schools as well. And at that point, embarked on this effort to uh, improve the mental health of medical students and has, uh, you know, late in my career d- developed into what I think is a, a real passion for me, where I think hopefully I can make uh, some kind of difference. Can you talk about some of those problems that face medical students and residents? Yeah, so I'll separate those, I, I think, because the, the nature of, of the challenges, I think, are, 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 are different. So um, the key for both, I think, that actually kind of unifies the two is that, that what, what we have that I think people have been slow to recognize is I would characterize this mental health problem as an environmental health problem. Um, that there's a certain level of, I'll use the word toxicity, um, but, but, you know, I don't want that to sound too strong, but, but um, the environment itself, I think is, it's pretty clear, is uh, contributing powerfully to this adverse uh, mental health outcome. So, so, you know, I, I believe then that, that, um, that needs to be the primary target for our efforts. And, and I think that much of, of the efforts that's been done so far um, has been focused on individual interventions, right? Making sure that uh, students have uh, excellent access and residents have access to mental health care and high quality uh, mental health care and, 
and that they're given instruction in, in things like uh, well-being and nutrition and taking care of themselves, etc. And while that, that kind of work, as I think, is important, um, we're not going to solve this problem by working um, just on the individual side of things. I think we, we have to have um, environmental focus. And ultimately, I think that was one of the things that really contributed to the success of, of our work at, at St. Louis University, where we were able to reduce depression and anxiety uh, levels dramatically um, largely through environmental changes. I know that the, the ACGME made a lot of changes to, you know, kind of residency rules in the last couple of years. Um, has that been, have you seen kind of improvements? Is that helping things? It's a good question. And I think that's, um, it's too early to tell, right? I, so the most, most recent new common program requirements came out, I think, yeah, it was just one year ago, right? So July, and and so it takes time for 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 programs to be built, for programs to change, and while I think it's a little too early to tell um, how much change is occurring, what I do think is clearly happening is that there is um, movement, um, there is early recognition that that uh, this problem deserves attention. Uh, and I think people are moving in the right direction. The, the question I think will be, will they move far enough and quickly enough? And, and I'm a person who wants to see both, both things move quickly and far. Um, and that's, I guess, one of my, uh, you know, roles is, is to do whatever I can do to encourage a pace and also that to encourage a path that is most likely to lead to success. Right. I, I think this is a challenging problem. And, and a key issue is, you know, this is a multifactorial problem, and I think that we are not going to be able to kind of change, you know, institute one program or change one variable and accept, expect the problem to be solved. So that um, multiple um, interventions are needed, and and ultimately, I think to some degree, what we're talking about is culture change in these institutions, and 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 there are challenges that OH, OHSU faces that that are not unique in any kind of way. I mean, I think that there are, every institution has their own kind of different flavor, but what I would say is that there are common themes across that 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 everybody is re really struggling with right now. What are some of those common themes? I think the themes right now, and this is this is not my opinion. This is this comes from the research. Is is that um, the the evidence of just I'll just deal with one, which is burnout. Right? Um, there's profound evidence that that a majority of faculty and residents in this country suffer from burnout. I mean, that's that's stunning just to say that a majority, more than half, um, are suffering from burnout, uh, and so. Um, the consequences of, of burnout are profound. I, um, and I think that we're just coming to recognize um, what those are. It's not just the individual suffering um, that occurs, but, but if you have uh, physicians who are burned out or depressed, um, uh, the quality of care is going to suffer. So this is an issue that I think the entire community needs to be concerned about. People are more likely to... Um, uh, 
uh, turnover increases. People are more likely to uh, leave their job. Um, more uh, medical errors are made. A burned out physician is less likely to be as compassionate and uh, patient with their own patients than, than they would otherwise be. So, so this is not just uh, we need to, to make sure our doctor's okay just for their own um, benefit. This is something that I think is really important for, for the entire public as well. You mentioned the term burnout. I've also heard the term resiliency. I'm curious what your thoughts are on kind of those two words that are often used interchangeably. Yeah, so burnout is, there is this, um, it's actually measured by a, a survey instrument or scale um, that breaks it down in, into two major components, which is emotional exhaustion and depersonalization. Emotional exhaustion is pretty obvious, but depersonalization is, is this process of, that turns you into um, seeing people more as objects rather than as people. And, and obviously that's not something you want in your physician, right? Um, and and it, is, it is a, a work-based phenomenon. It is, it is caused by work conditions. So that's, that's the burnout piece. The resilience piece is, is really about uh, um, an individual's capacity um, to deal with challenges. Right. And to uh, when knocked down, get back up, um, to be able to withstand stresses. And um, and I think this problem needs to be attacked on the resilience side. I do think that there is important work that can be done to enhance resilience. Um, uh, but that's not going to be enough. In one of my essays I wrote, we're not going to resilience our way out of this problem. And I think that's where much of this work was, is seeing let's help the individuals without um, really addressing environmental problems. Yeah, so that really kind of gets back to what you are talking about earlier of this being addressed as an individual problem versus yes. a, an environmental health yeah, and issue. Yeah, and that's, and that's not unique to... Um, to medicine, I think this is something that we do with mental health care and 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 um, or mental health problems at, at all. And I think that I think there were reasons why you know there was there was a societal push um, to make conditions like depression make it clear that those are illnesses. But but what we need to understand, yes, it's an illness, but but and it's fine to consider it that. Um, but that should you know. Many cases of depression are 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 driven by the environment, right? Um, uh, and and we see this across the educational continuum. If you look at adolescent and young adult depression rates, um, they're they're going up um, very quickly in the last five to ten years. That is not any change in their biology. You know, their genes aren't changing in that period of time. Uh, the only explanation is the environment has changed to produce it. So while we can consider it an illness and we should uh, treat it with that respect accorded, what we also uh, should make sure is that it, it doesn't absolve us from, from looking at the environment and the role it plays. I mean, a perfect example is, is medical students, when they start medical school, their depression rate is somewhere about 4 to 5%. The national uh, um, or an international rate of depression from a meta-analysis study is that uh, is 27 percent. 
going from, you know, four to five percent to 27 percent, isn't that suddenly there was a contagious illness of depression? It was the conditions that they were being exposed to produced that that rate of depression. So I think we really need to own that. And, and frankly, that's one of the reasons I want I joined the ACGME is I think more than any other group, frankly, nationally, I think they've acknowledged and and um and owned this problem uh, of uh, th- this challenge in the environment, frankly. And, and I hope that, um, that their voices will help uh, really encourage institutions to move on this issue. So who have you been meeting with uh, here at OHSU? Oh, it's been wonderful. There are so many um, folks that I've been uh, meeting with. The person who um, has hosted me is Sydney I um, in the Resident Faculty Wellbeing Program. And and um, and so I've gotten a chance to spend w- uh, time with staff in that office. And, and I just... Um, uh, they're they're an incredible resource, and I will I will put in a plug for them right now. If people are listening to this podcast and are residents or faculty who think they could benefit from 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 you know coaching and counseling, uh, I think you have an enor- extraordinary resource here. I was uh, lucky enough to meet with a medical student. Uh, or medical school leadership, uh, the dean and other key figures, um, and had a lovely conversation with them. But then also had the opportunity to meet with uh, residents and students as well, and um, and just get a sense of what's going on here. And there's there's obviously challenges like everyone faces, but there's also I think really clear a, a lot to be proud of here. And I think what I see when I'm looking at the landscape here is. Um, is you have a really strong foundation. More work needs to be done, but that's true of every academic medical center. But there are real strengths and and have been just very impressed by the people I've engaged with. They've been incredibly hospitable and warm, and I've had a wonderful time. What's one thing that you think we could do as an institution to make an immediate improvement in this area? If I had to choose one thing... um, a shining light really is this the counseling service that then uh, that's provided and and it's I think a remarkable number or, or percentage of your residents already um, use those services when they're feeling challenged. I think there's a, a big opportunity for um, people with that skill set in the mental health arena to collaborate with faculty. Um, clinical faculty to do more preventive work on mental health. I think that one of the things that that I think powered my work at St. Louis U and that was really effective uh, was trying to to provide um, basic stress management skills um, to all of our students as soon as they started medical school, so that they um, would would be able to manage the stress better than they otherwise might. And I, and I think um, that's something that's important. And then I think really, I'm going to throw in a second because I can't help myself, but the second would be um, to, to, to figure out how um, collectively this institution and the departments that make it up um, can address this the environmental uh, 
problems. And, and the challenge is I, I don't think there's going to be one size fits all across the institution. I think the needs in various departments may be different, right? So, so there's a combination of, I think, a centralized pr- approach to, to addressing um, environmental stressors, but then there has to be a somewhat decentralized uh, uh, approach that, that addresses the, the, the specific needs because the world is very different in each department. Right. What, what's different, you know, what goes on in pediatrics versus neurosurgery versus psychiatry versus pathology may be profoundly different. And I think that one of the themes I, I think is also is we have to really figure out what are the specific needs of the people we're trying to help and have design, design interventions that are really um, most kind of uh, responsive to those specific needs. What would you say to someone who is afraid that educational or training quality will be sacrificed by these efforts to improve wellness? They're wrong. <laughs> They're wrong. Um, I, I, and I wouldn't be afraid to say that. I, there was a lot of fear that when we, um, at, at St. Louis University, um, that when we made the environmental changes to reduce the cognitive load, to, to reduce pressure, um, that academic performance would suffer. And the exact opposite occurred. Um, we, we have this belief that, that more is always better. So more class time, more pressure, more content, et cetera, is going to lead to better academic outcomes. It's not the case. And I think one of the things that was, was maybe most important about my work is I think we were able to definitively show that you can reduce pressure, improve mental health, and actually academic functioning can improve. It won't fall. So we've allowed this, this um, kind of uh, belief to linger in medicine and in the education setting um, that, that more is better. And I think, I think we've gone way too far. Um, it, it isn't just um, uh, have a negative impact on well-being. I think it actually, what we're, our practices are having a negative impact on uh, performance and productivity. And that's no surprise. I mean, if you're profoundly depressed or anxious, you, you aren't going to perform as well as if you are, you know, have a sound mental health. So, so I, I think we, I hope that we will soon move away um, from the kind of academic hardliners who say somehow that, that we have to, to, to kind of beat on people uh, to make them strong. I, 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 there's no evidence that that's the case. I think the only evidence that we have is when you beat on people too much, um, they become burned out and depressed. And, and, and I think that's, that's clear with if you look at this, this mental health uh, situation that we have in medicine today. Did you have to go through that when you were in medical school and residency? And, and, and what do you think about this idea of kind of, I went through it, so oh, um, yeah. you know, why can't someone else? No, I think that is. I think it's profound. And I, and I understand. I mean, I think that there are people who, who I, don't, I don't question the motivations of people um, in terms of those who think we have to, um, uh, that we should not sacrifice rigor. I think they're right. I don't think we should sacrifice outcomes, but I think it it goes to this belief that that again, um, uh, a more intensity means better. Um, I, I I I think that's just not proven to be true. My personal training um, was interesting. I, you know, when I look back on it, and, and uh, I think that it was an easier time. 
you know, it wasn't a perfect time. I don't look back on this with like rose colored glasses, but, but, um, when I think what it took, uh, for me to get into med school, uh, that path was so much easier than, than pay, than, than students face today. I mean, their the path to getting in, into medical school is unbelievably demanding, and I worry. This is another thing about the ACG. Me, they're giving me fifteen um, percent of my time to work on adolescent health and young adult health because I think what's going on is that kind of educational gauntlet that students are are trying to traverse before medical school is 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 damaging as well. So, so you know, I think they have it much tougher than me. I mean, I, I, I you know, my daughter is twenty one and. 24 now when they're in high school you know three to four hours of homework was typical yeah I don't I don't ever remember doing an hour of homework you know and I turned out fine I think right so so we've ratcheted up this this the the pressure on on adolescents and young adults and I think of course if you look at the basic sciences the science of explode sciences have exploded since I was a medical student so so sh- just the sheer volume of information that they need to learn is is higher and then I think what's going on now is is clearly just the economic environment is pushing you know residents faculties hospitals to be more efficient more productive and pay more attention to the bottom line so yeah i think it's gotten it's gotten more challenging no question and we we need to recognize that as we do this work yeah, what's success look like for you success i i think what in my conversations with with people over the last couple days i i think that there's a certain role that i think i have is 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 simply serving as a as kind of a catalyst um and so so much of my work with the acgme is going to be out on the road you know trying to encourage people um to say change is possible right this can be done and i despite the challenges and just and and barriers i remain really profoundly optimistic about 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 where we're going um so you know in terms of of what that change would look like i I hope we you know five to ten years from now and i think it's going to take time this is not something you flip a switch and everything's going to be okay i think five to ten years ago uh, from now that we that we look back on this time and 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 maybe ask the question is why why did it take us so long to recognize this problem and address it? Um, I think I think the solutions are within our grasp, and and I think one of the one of the keys to the movement that I'll just add as well is this isn't just about being nice to people and treating people decently. I don't think there's just the moral argument, which I think is an important one. But ultimately, I really believe in my heart that that I think this is going to make good business sense too, right? And I understand the constraints that that um, hospital administrators and uh, feel. They're, they're under enormous pressure. Um, but But I think my sense is that the, the institutions who realize that you need to really invest in these issues, and I don't think it has to be terribly expensive, I think are going to come out uh, ahead in this in this um, in this work, and and that um, that the, the benefits that will accrue, I think, are tremendous, and it isn't just for the the employees, the staff, the, you know. Uh, the medical personnel, but I think it's the patients they serve as well. I think um, we'll all benefit. So I'm, I'm hoping that day 
um, comes soon uh, and that we can look back on, on this age and say, hey, we've done something big. Well, thank you very much for joining me. No, my pleasure. Thank you. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced and edited by me. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.